you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 70, holy guacamole, episode 70 of the Banner Banter Podcast, I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18, or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast, you can listen to the podcast, uh, I'm sure you already are, duh, but you can listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, Stitcher. You can subscribe on any of those. Please feel free to give me a rating because ratings are important when it comes to the podcast life that I live. Uh, I hope everyone had a great weekend. As you can hear, I have a cold. I am sick. So this won't be a long podcast, but I hope it is an enjoyable podcast. Let's get after it. Pitter patter. Let's get at her. Celtics are currently 39-17. and 17. They have a three-game lead on the Miami Heat for the three-seed, four-and-a-half games up on the Philadelphia 76ers, who are currently the fifth seed. And they are two-and-a-half games behind the Toronto Raptors for the second seed and the overall lead in the Atlantic Division. So hopefully the Celtics can close that gap sooner rather than later. First off, I just want to start off by talking about the Kemba Walker knee situation. I feel like a lot of Celtics fans aren't concerned, and then there are a lot of Celtics fans that are very concerned. And I talked about it last week on the podcast that I am a little concerned. You know, he missed the game against the T-Wolves. He also missed the game against the Lakers. And for him and the Celtics to announce that he got his knee drained is a little bizarre and and to be honest with you, a little scary at the same time. Um, Now I am like, very concerned about the situation. I went from a little concerned last week to now very concerned. Uh, And the communication between Kemba in the media and Celtics in the media was very confusing because Kemba paid. (laughs) Kemba played a lot of minutes in the All-Star game, and I think we can all agree that, like, it was fun to watch, but at the same time, it was like, why, why, why is he out there? Why, why are you doing this? Huh? Why, why are you doing this to us? Uh, And Kemba said he was on a minute restriction. The Celtics said that he was not on a minute restriction. And then Kemba, like, I think it was like less than 24 hours later, basically said, oh, I wasn't on a minute restriction. So now it's just very curious. So he missed the game against the T-Wolves. He missed the game against the Lakers. He was probably needed against the game with the Lakers. I feel like we could all agree that if Kemba played in that Lakers game, it most likely would have been a different outcome. And he probably won't play against Portland Trailblazers, which is fine because that's a winnable game without him. But... You're going to need him against Utah. You're going to need him against Houston. You're going to need him against the Nets the following week. And then Utah again. And then Oklahoma City again. So this isn't a great... This is a pretty tough stretch for the Celtics coming up. And Kemba needs to be there. If he misses a game or two. So, like, for example, you know, coming up, they have the Trailblazers. If he misses that game, fine, whatever. The Jazz game, I'd like him to play. Then he has two days off. He can play against the Rockets. 
Then they have two days off, and then he, he could play against the Nets, and then it's the second night of a back-to-back against the Cavs on the road. You don't need him to beat the Cavs. Then they play the Jazz, and then a day off, and then they play the Thunder, day off, Pacers, and then they play the Bucks and the Wizards. So even he misses the Wizards game, he misses the Cavs game, like, that's fine. I don't I don't care that Kemba Walker only missed two games last year and he misses 15 this year. My concern is, is his health and how serious is this knee thing? Because draining something from your knee is scary. I mean, really, really scary for the Celtics. So <sighs> I'm concerned. I'm not, like, super concerned. Like, you know, size 72 font, bold, italicized, underlined. But, like, I'm at, like... Size 48, bold, you know, times New Roman. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm concerned. All right, sorry, I'm all over the place because I'm sick and I'm, I am struggling through this and we're not even five minutes in yet. So, all right, let's recap the Minnesota Timberwolves game, which was the Celtics' first game after the All-Star break uh, this past Friday. The Celtics won 117, I'm sorry, 127 to 117, and some records were set, which were pretty cool in this game. You know, you had four players score 25 points for the Celtics, or more. Uh, 25 points or more for the second time in franchise history. Tatum had 29, uh, I'm sorry, Hayward had 29, Tatum had 28, Thice, Thice, Jesus, I cannot talk today. This is going to be... It's going to be a long podcast today. Tice at 25 and Jalen Brown also at 25. So the last time this happened was way back in the day. Tommy Heinsohn had 43. Bill Russell had 26. Bob Cousy had 25. And Bill Sharman had 25. Absolutely crazy. And then the last time the Celtics had four players to score 20 points or more in one game was December of 2015. So about five years, well, almost five years ago. Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk with the last four. Because think about this: Hayward, Tatum, Tice, Brown. Pretty impressive. Good group of players: Tommy Heinsohn, Bill Russell, Bob Cousy, Bill Sharman, NBA champions, Hall of Famers, and then Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, and Kelly Olynyk. What a world! What a world! But speaking of history, Jason Tatum became the first player to have 3,500 points, a thousand boards, 400 assists, and fewer than 400 turnovers before reaching the age of 22. How freaking cool is that? Jason Tatum, folks, has been playing on another level. Jason Tatum is finally like, Jason Tatum is literally growing up in front of our eyes of becoming a superstar. Like this is, this is literally like Paul Pierce all over again. And to the point where like, I'm going to talk about the Lakers game in a little bit, but do you remember how Paul Pierce got his nickname? For those of you that don't know, it's when Paul Pierce went to the Staples Center and I think he dropped over 40 points. And Shaq called him the truth in a media press conference because, you know, Instagram and all that stuff wasn't wasn't around. And then LeBron James posted something on Instagram yesterday showing his respect to Jason Tatum and calling him the pro, uh, an absolute problem. So is Jason Tatum's nickname the problem? Because if that's the case, I'm in. Jason the Tatum problem. Love that. The problem. But I don't know if it will stick. But what we are seeing is I hope to God a lifetime Celtic. It has been absolutely unbelievable what he's been doing over the past eight games. He's shooting like 47% from three, 50% from the floor. He's taking over basketball games, and he and it's just absolutely incredible to watch. 
But what I loved about this game was Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice had a career night, and it looked like he really enjoyed the All-Star break. He came out a little rusty, like within the first two or three minutes of the game, like Brad Stevens was not happy with him, took him out and brought Cantor in. And that's fine. He literally just like yanked him. And he he was definitely very rusty to start, especially on the defensive end against Reed, the kid from LSU, on the Timberwolves. But he had a career-high 25 points. He had a career-high 16 rebounds, and he was incredible on both ends of the floor after Brad kind of like benched him. His screen setting has tape has helped out Tatum a great deal. He just fits so well, and I'm going to talk about Daniel Tice a little bit more. But Daniel Tice's performance defensively, on the boards, and scoring the basketball in this Minnesota Timberwolves game was really a great sign, and hopefully this gives him some confidence going into this very important postseason stretch for the Celtics because... The Nets, I mean, uh, the 76ers aren't going anywhere. The Heat aren't going anywhere. And it is going to be tough. And I mean tough to catch this Toronto Raptors team for that two seed. But I really hope the Celtics, and I and I think the Celtics can do it. You know, there's definitely some, some games left that are winnable. You know, the Bulls, the Cavs, two games against the Wizards, the Knicks, the Magic, the Pistons, like the Timberwolves again, the Trailblazers again, like, very winnable games for the Celtics team. A uh, couple other things that I did enjoy about this Minnesota Timberwolves game was Marcus Smart uh, being more of a passer. Uh, I've talked about it all the time. I love when Marcus Smart distributes the ball as long as it's not cute. He did have a sick, and I mean sick, behind-the-back pass to split two defenders, Daniel Tice, for a nice dunk off pick-and-roll. That was very impressive. But this was the type of game I want to see from Marcus Smart because he knew his role. 10 points, 10 shots, 10 assists, couple boards, great defense, and I think we can all live with that. You, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, go balls to the wall defensively, be that fifth scoring option if needed, and if not, get everyone else involved, and I think he did a great job doing that. I mean, overall, this game, I, I think it was a great team effort by all three wings. You know, Tatum was hot in the first quarter, then Jalen got hot in the second quarter, then Gordon came out firing in the third quarter, because Gordon Hayward, before this, I think he scored... It was either three or four straight games with 30 points or more in Minnesota. And he scored 29, so that streak almost continued. He was one point shy. So we might as well just give him the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, the three of them chipped in in the fourth quarter, that being Tatum, Brown, and Hayward. And they were able to close this out. I mean, the defense did get sloppy in the fourth quarter, which I didn't like at all. I mean, they took a punch from the T-Wolves, but they ended up... uh, what did they end up the game on? I think it was like a 13 to four run or a 12 to four run to end the game, which was great. And it's pretty crazy that the Celtics are 33 and one this year when they lead by 11 points or more in the Lakers game, their highest lead was seven. So obviously that stat doesn't, you know, apply here. Uh, But, you know, last year when the Celtics were up by 11 points or more, their record was 39 and 12 and this year it's 33 and one. So huge difference. Oh yeah, and one final thing about this game. The bench sucked. The bench absolutely sucked. But I'll talk about that in a little bit because I am not happy with the Boston Celtics bench. All right, unfortunately, we have to talk about this Los Angeles Lakers game. I'm not happy about it. You're not happy about it. I love the effort by the Celtics, but effort doesn't get you wins. Effort doesn't help you in the standings. But overall, I loved everything about this game from the Celtics except for the bench. And the final two minutes of the first quarter. And yeah, I, I think I'm still angry about the final two minutes of the first quarter. But the Celtics lose to the Lakers 114 to 112. The game was in their hands. I mean, it really was. 
And they had a possibility to do a season sweep on the Los Angeles Lakers. And every single time the Celtics have swept a season series against the Los Angeles Lakers, they have either won an NBA title or have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So that would have been nice to keep the tradition going if they swept the Celtics season series. I think it's happened about 10 times, eight or nine, yeah, nine or 10 times. And it's always been Eastern Conference Finals. They might have lost or they've gone to the NBA Finals and won it. Absolutely crazy. Now, we all know how much I hate the Lakers, just like you hate the Lakers with every ounce of your soul. And before we go into a deep, dark hole, and before I go on a rant and you hear like my boogers just dripping down my face because I am slowly fading here, um, let's talk about the good. I mean, the fact that they only lost by two points to the team with the second best record in the NBA is obviously very impressive. They did this without Kemba Walker, and the Lakers were at full strength, minus their new signee, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris's brother. He got bought out by the Detroit Pistons, and the Los Angeles Lakers signed him, so that's a nice addition for the Lakers bench, and that makes them deeper than they already are, and once again, we'll go back to the bench stuff in a second. I really liked how the way the Celtics rebounded the ball. They didn't give up a lot of offensive rebounds. Like the Lakers had 11, the Celtics had eight. I'm perfectly content with that. That the Lakers should be doing that with Anthony Davis, Javale McGee, LeBron James. You know they got some big bodies in there. They should be able to do that. I thought the Celtics played fantastic defense on Anthony Davis, especially in the post. I feel like Anthony Davis got most of his points outside of the paint and at the free throw line, which is perfectly fine. But I thought. Jalen Brown did a great job, I like forcing him to go right because Anthony Davis loves to go left in the post. I thought he was physical with him. I loved the double teams. They forced bad passes from him. I loved it all. I really thought they did a great job with Anthony Davis. Maybe not the first like five minutes of the game because the Lakers came out hot once again, just like they did in January when the Celtics smoked them by like 30-plus or whatever it was. But I was happy with Jalen Brown's defense with Anthony Davis. You know, I talked about... Talked about it very early in the season with Jalen Brown and how he did defend big men when he was playing for Team USA. And it was just great to see that he could still be physical. I mean, Anthony Davis probably has, what, four inches on? Four and maybe five inches on Jalen Brown? I think it's like four. But that's still a good job by Jalen Brown there. Jalen Brown also played some pretty good defense on LeBron James. Obviously, that fadeaway, which was technically the game-winning bucket by LeBron James, you know, that's that's a tough tough shot to stop. I thought Jalen Brown did a good job. He contested it. You know, Romeo Lankford played some good defense on LeBron. He had a, yeah, I said something good about Romeo Lankford. Folks, I'll say it again. Romeo Lankford's defense is really good. I'm not going to take that away from the kid, like at all. You know, Romeo Lankford, you know, almost stripped the ball from LeBron, but he's just so strong that he caught and talented and athletic. He caught the ball and put it back in and that just absolutely sucked. But, you know, the Celtics had more points off of turnovers they fought back after being down 11 on the road. Hayward almost had a triple-double. He didn't shoot the ball that well. He was like 5 of 14, 5 of 15, something along that line. Um, you know, he had 10 points, 8 boards, 9 assists. Like, what more could you ask for if Jason Tatum's going off like that, you know? And Jason Tatum was incredible again, 41 points. I mean, he must love playing in L.A. I hope he doesn't go to L.A. because that would just destroy me. But he, he's going to be a Celtics for life. A Celtics player for life, so let's stay positive. But the fact that 
he's played so well against the Clippers and he's played so well against the Lakers now. And to do that against Anthony Davis, cause they, Anthony, Anthony Davis defended Jason Tatum a lot and Jason Tatum step back three pointers. They're obviously very good and they're very impressive and I love watching them, but to also be able to shoot over Anthony Davis is ridiculously impressive. Absolutely impressive. And I think the one other final thing, what did I write down in my notes here? What did I write down in my notes? Um, oh, yeah. I love the way that the Celtics started the third quarter. You know, they were down two. They fought back really hard in the second quarter because of how poorly that the last two minutes of that first quarter was. And they started off in a 15-6 to run. The ball was moving around. Everyone was getting shots. They forced the Lakers to take bad shots. I really enjoyed the first, like, five or six minutes. If the Celtics can play the way that they did in the first five or six minutes of that third quarter in the playoffs, they're going to be a tough team. They really and truly are. I mean, now, can they beat the Milwaukee Bucks, who have already clinched a playoff spot? The Milwaukee Bucks have already clinched a playoff spot. There's two months left in the freaking season. Absolutely insane. So, but yeah. But let me rent. Uh, rent. Sure, I'll, I'll pay some rent. But let me vent a little bit. I am... I was angry yesterday, like, right after it happened. But when you actually look at it, it was just like, uh, it was a great game. Minus the last minute, it was a good 47-minute basketball game. It really, truly was. But the first thing that I want to rent about is the fact that Gordon Hayward missed two layups late in the fourth quarter. He is the best finisher at the rim for the Celtics this season. He finishes, like, 76% of his shots at the rim. And with 59 seconds left on the clock, when he missed that layup when he was attacking the ball... I don't understand why I didn't dribble it out. Why didn't you dribble it out? You were literally winning the game. Now, sure, if it went in, Celtics were up four, and you're like, oh my God, that was such a veteran play by Gordon Hayward. But guess what? He fucking missed it, and it didn't help the cause. They couldn't get the offensive rebound. It was so infuriating. If he dribbled it out, could have gotten a better shot, could have, and the Celtics were still in an opportunity to go for a two for one, and the Lakers were two at that point, too. But like, that was so frustrating. That was so frustrating. That really hurt my throat. But, man, that was so frustrating that Gordon Hayward would do that. And, folks, I don't like to blame the refs. I think we can all agree on that. I hate when people do that, but, man, were there some bad calls on both sides of the ball. I mean, the Lakers got some pretty shitty calls, too. The Celtics got some pretty shitty calls, too. But that call on Jalen Brown on the sideline reminded me of Nikhil Harry, like the Patriots game. I don't know if you guys remember Nikhil Harry. It was late in the season. I think it was against the Chiefs where he clearly wasn't out of bounds. Jalen Brown clearly, clearly wasn't out of bounds. The ref couldn't see it, and he made a dumbass call. He predicted that Jalen Brown stepped out of bounds, and that was annoying. He wasn't even close. That was literally bullshit. If you want to talk about the Romeo Langford goaltending call, sure, that was bullshit too, but there were plenty of bad calls on the other end too. But that Jalen Brown play in that fourth quarter drove me nuts. I don't understand how that could happen. And then the final two minutes of the first quarter, the Celtics were down two with about two minutes to go, and they ended the first quarter down nine. And they literally let the Lakers go on a 10-0, 11-0 run. The bench just couldn't do anything, and it was so frustrating because if the Celtics kept that even, for real, if the Celtics kept that even, let's say they kept it within five, they won the second quarter by seven. They won the third quarter by two, and then they lost the fourth quarter by two. So if they literally kept that within, if they didn't let them go on a 10-0 run, this this whole game would be different, and you have to blame the bench. You literally and truly have to blame the bench. And 
it also didn't help to start the game. The first five minutes of the game, they came out so slow. They only had one basket in the first five minutes, and that was Daniel Tice. That shouldn't be happening. But I thought the Celtics did a really good job, you know, to limit Anthony Davis and LeBron James to 51 points. And I know that's weird to say limit, but the no, they had 61 points. To have them each score 61 points and for Tatum to have a game like that without Kemba Walker, you know, you could take some po- something positive from it. I just hate losing to the Lakers. I absolutely hate it with every ounce of my blood and it and it infuriates me to no end. When you can when you miss multiple layups in the fourth quarter, I think the Celtics ended up with like 17 turnovers and I think they had seven of them just in the fourth quarter so they didn't take care of the ball they didn't finish at the rim I mean Tatum missed I mean Cheryl put some blame on Tatum too even though he was absolutely incredible in this game he missed a couple layups in the second quarter I mean uh, in the fourth quarter that it was infuriating and then Brad Stevens like leaving him on the bench when they started like creeping back in like Brad Stevens deserves some blame too and Brad Stevens got that technical foul late in the fourth quarter and Anthony Davis, yeah, Anthony Davis hit that free throw. So, you know, it could be a completely different game if Brad Stevens, like, the the call on uh, Tatum and Caldwell Pope going for the ball. In the playoffs, that's not going to get called. So why have it be called here? And if it was the other way around, you'd be furious if Jason Tatum didn't get called for a push-off. So, like, Lakers fans were pissed, Celtics fans were pissed, but the way Brad Stevens and Jason Tatum reacted, they deserved a technical foul, and that technical foul could have changed things. It really and truly could have. It gave the Lakers an extra point and let them set up the ball. Yeah, it was just so frustrating. But the bench, oh my God, the Boston Celtics bench. We're going to talk about it right now, sudden dud of the week. Hit the goddamn music. I hate losing to the Lakers. And now. It is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. The stud you would think would be Jason Tatum. He had a great week, but I really and truly have to give it to Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice was fantastic these last two games. Combined 51 points, 27 rebounds, two career highs in points and rebounds. And I really just feel like I know he's not the best shot blocker and he we all wish he could be more physical or jump higher. But I really just think he fits the three wings and Kemba Walker or Marcus Smart perfectly. He just does his job. If he's wide open, you're okay with him shooting a three. I just think Daniel Tice sets good screens, rolls very well. And, you know, especially in that Lakers game where he caught the ball at the top of the key and he was just like, holy crap, I have an open lane. Two steps, one dribble, or maybe it was two steps or two dribbles, whatever the case may be, and he threw it down. That was sick. Like Aaron Baines and Al Horford, I feel like, wouldn't have done that last year. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Or haven't done that over the years because I feel like Celtics big men are like robots. And speaking of that, that that final play with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, what was Jalen Brown doing? Oh, my God. Like, what in God's name are you doing, dude? It didn't have to go to Jason Tatum. There were three other people on the court. Don't force that pass. And that obviously led to the Caldwell Pope and Jason Tatum back-and-forth foul that wasn't called, which then led to technical foul. And now I'm literally blacking out. Okay, so back to Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice was incredible this week. I feel like he can match up okay with, like, a, a quick four. You know, like... 
when with the Rockets game coming up. He can match up with PJ Tucker. He could match up with Jeff Green. You know, I'm not worried about Daniel Tice in those type of situations. Obviously, you're worried about when it's Giannis or Embiid or Gasol or um, like you know Bam Adebayo. I think Daniel Tice can guard him. Can he do it? You know, can he lock him down? Absolutely not. But like. It's one less thing that Tatum or Jalen or Hayward have to worry about, and I, and just offensively, he just fits perfectly, and it was really good to see. And I hope he takes these two games combined, fifty-one points, twenty-seven boards, into this final postseason stretch with a bunch of confidence. So, it should have been Jason Tatum. I think we all know it was Jason Tatum, but you also got to give a shout out to Daniel Tice. So he's the set of the week, and the dud is the Boston Celtics bench this week's. Bench performance made me want to cry in the moment and the thought of the playoffs. What the Lakers did to kind of cool down Tatum was double team him. But when when Jason Tatum is playing with a bunch of bench guys and he's double teamed, I don't trust any of these guys to score the basketball. Brad Wanamaker had a brutal stretch in the first qu- in the first quarter of the Lakers game. Oh my God, was it bad? It was atrocious. He was so bad. But like, I just. If gun to the head, who do I trust off the Celtics bench if Kemba's hurt? Like, and obviously, I trust Marcus Smart. I kind of trust Brad Wanamaker. But besides that, like, you can't trust Grant Williams. You can't trust Romeo Lankford, especially offensively. Defense-wise, sure. Romeo Lankford will probably play in the playoffs a little bit defensively. But I wish Romeo Lankford is, like, the perfect lacrosse guy. I feel like I want him to run on to play defense like a midi. And then run off to play to not play offense because he just doesn't get it yet, and I don't think he ever will personally. But we all know that. But in the last two games, the Celtics bench has have gone a combined five of twenty-seven from the field and have scored twenty-one points. The Timberwolves and Lakers combined their bench have scored sixty-nine points. And then when you look at a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, if the Celtics can get that two seed and get home court advantage against the Raptors or the Heat, whatever the case may be, and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks bench is going to smoke, absolutely smoke the Celtics bench. Now, I understand the Eastern Conference Finals, you'll probably only play seven or eight guys, but if there are some guys in foul trouble, guess what? Guess what? The Bucks are deep enough to deal with that. Are the Celtics? I don't think so. Yes, I know the Time Lord's coming back very soon, and that could be a huge help for Cantor because Cantor hasn't been playing a lot lately. Uh, it's just the matchups just haven't worked out for him. I've said it from day one. Cantor is going to be better in the playoffs because when the game slows down, it can kind of speed up for him. Clearly his hip still hurts a little bit. He doesn't seem like he's running properly. And since we're doing that, we might as well just do a very quick episode of Cantor banter because Ennis Cantor wasn't that great this week, like at all. Uh, and probably doesn't deserve a Cantor banter, but let's just play the music anyways. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor banter, baby! Wow! Alright, so the Celtics have three games this upcoming week. Uh, the final two games of their West Coast road trip, and then they play the Houston Rockets. The Celtics, I I didn't realize this on the schedule until I actually like kind of looked at it, but the Celtics are playing Western Conference teams for eight straight games. It's absolutely pretty crazy. They played the Thunder, 
the Rockets, the Clippers, the T-Wolves, the Lakers. They're playing the Trailblazers. They're playing the Jazz. And then they're playing again against the Rockets. Very interesting. You don't usually see like one Eastern Conference team or one Western Conference team play another conference that many times in a row. But here we are. So first game is tomorrow night against the Portland Trailblazers at 10 p.m. And then they play the Utah Jazz in Utah. Second night of a back-to-back. So again, if Kemba can just play one of these games, preferably the Jazz game, that would be great. And then the Rockets at 8.30 on ABC, Saturday night primetime at TD Garden. I can't wait to go to the game because I haven't been to a Celtics game in more than 10 days. And I'm kind of getting a little, you know, itchy. You know, I, I need to go to a game. This Trailblazers game is a must win in my opinion. They They will not have Damian Lillard most likely. So you have to take advantage of that. Before Damian Lillard uh, got hurt, his last seven games, he dropped 51 points, 21 points. 26, 42, 33, 20, and 20. So obviously he's a vital point, vital part of that team. Uh, they, the Trailblazers last night beat the uh, Detroit Pistons by, I think, three or four points, and C.J. McCollum had to drop 41 to get there. And I think we can all agree that now that Andre Drummond's gone, Reggie Jackson got bought out and is now with the Clippers, and Markeith Morris isn't there, Luke Kennard's hurt, Blake Griffin's hurt, to only beat the Pistons by that many when they're on a West Coast trip and their season's over. Not that impressive. Um, so where are they gonna where are the Trailblazers gonna get their scoring from? Obviously Carmelo Anthony, but I hope not. I hate Carmelo Anthony. God do I hate Carmelo Anthony. Oh my god, I've always hated Carmelo Anthony. Oh, 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 oh I hate Carmelo Anthony. But yeah. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh Gordon Hayward should run circles around him, make him play defense, wear him out, make sure he doesn't have any juice in his legs to get up those jump shots, and that'll be fine. So, then can Marcus Smart or Kemba Walker, depending on who's playing, or Brad Wanamaker, whatever the case may be, can they slow down C.J. McCollum? Probably not. C.J. McCollum does a great job of getting his shots off, but if you can keep C.J. McCollum, like, under 27 points, and, you know, Carmelo only scores, like, I don't know, let's say 15 or 16, you're going to win this game, and you're going to win it easily. I think this should be a big game for Ennis Cantor, because keeping Whiteside off the boards will be important, and I think body weight-wise, size-wise, Cantor matches up better against Whiteside than Tice does. And I know I just told everyone that Daniel Tice is, you know, great and fits well perfectly. I'm not saying Ennis Cantor should start. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if Whiteside's out there. You see Ennis Cantor more than Daniel Tice. That's all. Uh, their bench isn't that great, which is obviously great news. Uh, they had four guys play off the bench this past Friday night against the Pelicans, and they only combined for 21 points, So, which would still be 10 points better than what the bench did for the Boston Celtics uh, on Sunday against the Lakers, which was a total of 11 points. But it, that's better. <laughs> Baby steps, right? Absolutely. So w- what can this team do well without Damian Lillard? That's really like the big question. Well, they shoot 37% from three as a team, which is pretty good. They're top 11 in rebounding in the league. Guess who's currently 10th? Your Boston Celtics. And they take care of the ball. They have the, they average the fifth least amount of turnovers per game. Now, is that probably because of Damian Lillard? Probably. So maybe be a little bit aggressive on defense and let's get a W. Now, As much as I'm looking forward to the Rockets game, I think the game that's really exciting me the most is this Utah Jazz game. I think both teams match up very, very well. They basically have similar records. I think the Jazz are 36 and 20, and the, you know, we the Celtics are what 39 and 17. So for the most part, pretty 
pretty much similar similar records. I think the coaching matchup's going to be great. You know, Quinn Snyder is a great young coach, just like Brad Stevens. Uh, he's very good at what he does, and you have to respect that. Um, their starting five versus our starting five, you know, we can kind of break it down. Go, Rudy Gobert or Daniel Tice? You're probably going to take Gobert. And then you have Donovan Mitchell versus Jalen Brown. It's a push, but gun to the head, maybe Donovan Mitchell. And then Tatum versus Bogdanovich, you're going to take Tatum. Ingles versus Hayward, you're going to take Hayward. And then they have O'Neal, and then it's just, is it going to be Kemba or Smart? Either way, it's Kemba or Smart winning that. So how will Gordon Hayward play in Utah? Uh, He's already played there post-surgery. He's gotten his fair share of boos. Will Jazz fans still be booing him? Uh, Ennis Cantor also mentioned recently that Jazz fans hate him because Cantor and Gordon Hayward played together in Utah for a little bit. So maybe they boo Cantor more than Hayward, you know, who knows. But there are the three things that the I I think about that the Celtics will probably run into is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert will probably have a zillion rebounds in this game. He's averaging 15 a game right now. So Cantor and Tice and maybe the time lord will be back, but everyone has to man up. Tatum has to rebound the ball. Like Tatum getting five rebounds, Hayward getting nine rebounds, you know, like things like that. Like if each of those could go up a couple, like if Hayward has 12 rebounds, Smart has five or six, Brown has seven or eight, Tatum has six or seven, that's what's going to be important in this game. And then obviously keeping Ingles and Bogdanovich off the three-point line because Ingles can get open looks. But we, they have to make sure that he doesn't because he will stick them. And then Bogdanovich, we all remember Brogdon Bogdanovich. He killed the Celtics when he was on the Pacers. Just attack him defensively, please. Like Tatum against Bogdanovich. If with Tatum, the way he's playing lately with the ball in his hands, it's not even going to be a matchup. It's going to be something hilarious to watch. So I really and truly hope that the Celtics really match up well against Bogdanovich and Ingles defend them contest their three-point shots but attack them defensively and that will be big and then finally I hate to bring up the bench again but Jordan Clarkson you know he was part of a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers and since joining the Jazz he has been unreal 16 points a game three boards and in his last 10 games he's averaging 19 and a half points a game 54 percent from the floor and 46 percent from three now this is why I asked that Kemba plays in this game because Marcus Smart can defend Jordan Clarkson, Jason Tatum can, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, those guys can defend them, but you also don't want to be giving those guys a lot of wear and tear because you don't trust anyone on the bench. Now, could Romeo Langford check up Jordan Clarkson defensively? Uh, I mean, with the way that it, Romeo Langford's playing defensively lately, sure. Offensively? Oh, God, please no. So, <laughs> please no. But, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they can do. I'm really looking forward to that Jazz game. I think Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, you know, Jalen Brown, great matchups. Gobert, Tice, Cantor, that'll be very interesting. Mike Conley's not going to be playing for them from what I'm hearing and reading. Uh, so, I'm hearing like I'm a freaking NBA source. But, you know, just I listen to a couple podcasts here and there from other teams to get some previews for the game, and here we are. And then finally, the Saturday night, 8.30, TD Garden, ABC primetime game. Celtics are playing a lot of primetime games this year. You got to love it. You got to love it. Um, the Rockets game, will it be different? Or will it be the same game that they had before the break when they were on the road the Tuesday before the All-Star break? 
the Rockets will be a new looked team a little bit. They recently signed Mari Carroll and Jeff Green. This means more wings to throw at our three wings. Uh, that means still more small ball for them. You know, Jeff Green is probably now their tallest player on their team, so he's probably going to be playing the five, and it might move P.J. Tucker down to the four, which would obviously help P.J. Tucker and the Rockets defensively, absolutely. Um, you know, if if Kemba doesn't play any of the games of the West Coast road trip, he better be playing in this basketball game, like 1,000%. He better be. Um, one positive that I, that I am, like, really looking forward to this game is Jalen Brown will most likely be healthy. You know, let's hope he'll be at 100%. Uh he was obviously hurt uh, with both ankles being sprained or roll in a couple of previous games. He had that calf contusion late that he never came back and played with. Um, but he played fantastic the last time these two teams played. He played very well. Uh, Jason Tatum did not. So hopefully he can give give us some home cooking and continue his good play as of late. Um, you know, the Rockets aren't the best home team. I mean, a uh, road team. They're like 16 and 12. Um, but... You know, with hopefully Jalen being healthy, hopefully Kemba coming back, and hopefully Jason Tatum not playing as poorly as he did the last time he played against the Rockets, they will most like the Rockets will most likely have Eric Gordon, and Eric Gordon makes their team so much better. He spreads out the floor more than he already does. He's, I mean, to be honest with you, like James Harden or Eric Gordon shooting a three pointer, that's a tough decision on who you'd pick because Eric Eric Gordon's a very very good three point shooter. Oh man, I am fading. I got to end this thing quick. Um, just a couple other things that I have on my notes. Uh, you know, there's a few things that I'm looking for in this game for the players and coaches. Uh, the first is don't worry about the goddamn refs because I really think the refs got into the Celtics' head late in that fourth quarter uh, against the Rockets with Westbrook and Harden getting calls. Like, they need to go into that game knowing that Westbrook and Harden are going to get calls. It's the way that it is, it's the way the NBA is. Get, just get it over and done with. I understand in the moment it's easier said than done, but go into it knowing that you're not going to get calls and maybe your mindset can be a little bit different. Now, I mentioned in the Portland Trailblazers game, maybe play Cantor a little bit more against Whiteside because they're kind of like the same player. Obviously, Whiteside's a little bit better. Um, maybe not a little bit better, like a lot better, but this is a game where Ennis Cantor should not play. Hopefully the Time Lord, this is like the perfect Time Lord game where he can be athletic enough, he can jump high enough over all these guys, work on his post skills. This is a perfect Time Lord game. But Ennis Cantor cannot play in this game. He sticks out like a sore thumb. So he better not be playing in this game. Uh, and then finally, the Rockets take a lot of threes. But because the Rockets take a lot of threes, that doesn't mean you have to take a lot of threes. Attack the rim, get to the free throw line. I really liked what the Celtics did. I mean, the Celtics took 34 three-pointers and 33 throws against the Lakers. That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. I love that. You know, if if you can make almost 39% of your threes, which the Celtics did, they shot over 38%. So, you know, if we were to round up 39, and then they made 77% of their free throws, sure, you wish that was 80. So if you can make 80% of your free throws, 39% from three, and then go 45% or higher from the field, you're going to beat the Rockets. And that's that. And that is episode 70 of the Banner Bench Podcast. Thank you for dealing with my boogers, my sniffles, my snots, my sore throat, etc., etc. Uh, episode 71 will be out next week. We'll be previewing the Nets... 
Cavs, Jazz, and Thunder game. And then obviously recapping the three games that I just talked about this week. You can find me on the Twitter, Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. And if you are listening on Podbean, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, leave me a rating. Ratings are important. Hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. One more sniffle for you. Bye-bye. That was disgusting. I'm sorry. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.